coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. A few weeks ago, we had uh, our Baptism Sunday. Who was here for Baptism Sunday? Yeah. So Baptism Sunday was awesome. And Baptism Sundays are always my favorite Sundays because... You always get this new sense of awe and wonder when you see people getting baptized. You know, they go there, they're, they're standing in the baptism tank, they're giving their testimony, they're all nervous, like, first time they've ever public spoke in front of a bunch of people, and it's just, like, awkward. They're sharing all their, you know, all their history, and it's great. We all love it. Um, and then they give the mic, they give the mic back, and, you know, Pastor Brett dunks them in the, he says, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and dunks them in the water. And, um... And the moment, there's this moment of anticipation where when they're in the water, just before they come out, that you're, you're just expecting something, you're anticipating something, you're getting excited. It's like you're just jacked on life. And, and when I'm in the band, I'm always like, oh my goodness, like how are we going to actually all play the same note at the same time? This is not going to work out. Um, but at the same moment, um, the person comes out of the water. And it's one of my favorite things to look at the face of the person who comes out of the water because... A face tells you everything. And when they're coming out of that water, the expression that you see on their face is the expression of wonder, of excitement, of, of something, uh, new dreams and visions and new hope for the future. And so today I want to talk about wonder because I think that sometimes we could have maybe gone to church for a long time, maybe grown up in church, um, and maybe we have forgotten what the wonder is in our lives. So if you have a Bible today, um, you can flip over to Revelations. I did not... Um, do the, uh, the, Bible, the Bible app thing today, so sorry for, for those of you who use the Bible app, but the Bible app still has a Bible in it, so if you want to go to Romans, or sorry, Revelations 2, and uh, I don't have enough strings in my Bible, so I'm using Kleenex to hold my page for me. Also will help if I get emotional, so, you know. Um, so uh, Revelation chapter 2, so um, in Revelation, Revelation is written by John, uh, and he, he, he had this prophetic word, and he wrote these letters to the different churches um, in the New Testament, and the church that he's writing to here is the church in Ephesus, and, and if you ever read in the Bible, there's a book called Ephesians, and Ephesians is written to the church of Ephesus. It was a big church, lots of very strong leaders. It was in Asia, and it was an amazing church, and so this is a message that's being written um, from John years later to the same church in Ephesus, so starting in verse 2, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you're here with us today. We thank you that you have a word for us and that you want to speak to each and every heart here today, God. We pray that as we, um, as we hear this message, Lord, that you would just begin to birth something in us, God, new vision, new calling for the future. God, that we would understand the wonder of being able to do life with you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I'm sure many people have been on a diet uh, in their lives. I, uh, you know, when I was like 19 or something, I did Weight Watchers for a while. My parents said that if I did it for long enough, they'd pay for it. So I think I got all the way until the point where they said they would pay for it and then immediately stopped because 
I just couldn't do it anymore. I see a bag of chips, and I'm like, don't want to watch my weight anymore. Um, and so most of us have been on a diet at some point or another. I have a friend who just uh, who started Whole30 19 days ago, and, um, and I got a snap from her yesterday, and it was a snap of a bubble tea and says, I gave up on Whole30. And so, you know, we always start these diets out strong, and we, we go as hard as we possibly can, and then somewhere along the way, we just feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Your friends might be drinking bubble tea, and you just give up. Now, the next day, I, I'll, I'll have to give her credit for this. The, the following snap I had after that was of her Whole30 breakfast the next day, because she went back on. So, she's good. She's, you know, she's doing well. Um, but we've all started out strong for, for certain things. Maybe, um, maybe it's been a relationship. You know, I'm sure many people who've been in relationships have heard of the term the honeymoon phase, right? And so I was going to use an example from, like, mine and Haley's relationship. But we got married 10 months ago, so people would probably say we're still in the honeymoon phase. So I don't even know what the crazy things are that I do for Haley all the time, but there's probably a lot of them. Um, but the honeymoon phase, many people have been in the honeymoon phase. And the honeymoon phase just means that you do, you go over and above what a normal person would do, a rational person would do to show this person that you love them because you're just in this honeymoon phase. And so when we were dating, I would drive to Haley's house like every day of the week and her house was 40 minutes from my house, literally as far across Edmonton as you could possibly get. And it was worth it for me, even if I was just going to see her for an hour because I was in the honeymoon phase. I started out so strong. And that's not to say that we're not still going strong, because we are. Uh, <laughs> but my question today is, with our relationship with God, when we see people come out of that baptism tank with that look on their face, that look of wonder, they're starting out strong, they're so excited, they're ready to run this thing. But I think sometimes, for those of us who have maybe been in the church for a long time, or maybe been coming to church and we don't even know Jesus, we, we don't understand what the wonder is anymore. Maybe we're out of the honeymoon phase. So today I want to talk about that. Um, Numbers 13, if you want to flip to Numbers 13 in your Bible. Uh, Numbers 13 is, um, in, in Numbers it talks about the Israel's, Israelites' journey out of Egypt uh, into the promised land. And um, so, so the, the Israelites, they were stuck in Egypt. They were under oppression for 400 years. They were slaves. And uh, the Bible says that God heard their cry and he sent a deliverer to rescue them. And, and Moses was that deliverer. So Moses goes, and he, um, you know, he, he brings them out of Egypt, and they go across the Red Sea, and they go through the desert, and they finally get to the promised land, the promise that God had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's where we arrive right here when we get to chapter 13. And so Moses, um, before they enter the promised land, Moses sends out 12 scouts, one from each tribe, um, to scout out the land to see how it is. So we pick up in verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Malachites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among the coast of the, of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, one of the 12 spies, tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. 
Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people, saw, all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Then chapter 14. Then the whole community of Israel began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted against themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. See, the Israelites, when we read the Bible, the Israelites represent us. It represents who we are. And the Israelites had come from this crazy, you know, they were slaves for 400 years. There was no chance of them getting out. And God had delivered them from that. In fact, not only had he delivered them, but all the, it says in the Bible that all the Egyptians were giving them all their gold. They were giving their gold saying, go, take all my stuff, just get out of here. We don't want you anymore. And so God had delivered them from this place across the desert. They'd taken all these steps with God. And yet right when they get to the promised land, they're unwilling to take the next step. And author Warren Wearsby writes, The will of God will never lead us where the grace of God can't provide for us or the power of God protect us. If our daily prayer is, Thy will be done, and if we walk in obedience to God's will, then what is there to complain about? A complaining spirit is evidence of an ungrateful heart and an unsurrendered will. By our grumbling, we're daring to say that we know more than God does about what's best for his people. See, the Israelites, they wanted to stay in what was comfortable rather than walking into what was the promise. They wanted to stay even in the desert. It says that they, they, they asked God, why can't we just stay in the desert? Why are you taking us to this new land, this promised land where we're going to get slaughtered? See, the Israelites just needed to follow God one step at a time. Every single week, Pastor Brett pretty much says that that the vision of our church, spoiler alert for June uh, 2nd when our, or June 3rd, whenever it is, our vision Sunday, spoiler alert, vision is that we follow Jesus one step at a time. And so the Israelites, it was the same thing. They just needed to follow God one step at a time. And they had made it quite a few steps. They had made it all the way from Egypt. They had made it across the Red Sea. They had made it through the wilderness. And they'd done it one step at a time. But they get to this last step. And rather than walking into what God had for them, they just wanted to stay there. In fact, they asked to return to Egypt. It's like, it's just such a crazy thing to think, to think that they did that. Yet, I think some of us do that all the time. We say, oh, take me back to that. Take me back, God. You know, five years ago, I just felt like I was so on fire for you. Now, I, I just, you know, I just feel like I'm stuck. Baptisms, like I said, they remind me of wonder. They remind me of that first love, of that, of that excitement, of that calling that God has for every single person. And God, God calls us before we even choose him. What a privilege. So Pastor Brett, last week, uh, he used an illustration. He said that sometimes we work jobs. Um, and, and when we're working a job, what we're looking for is something that we can stay at for a long time so that eventually we can do less work and get paid more. That's what most people are looking for in a job. And I was thinking about that this week. I was, I was pondering it, and I was, I was wondering to myself, is that the same way that I treat my relationship with God? I've been going to church for 20-something years. I've been, 
you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and, and I, can, I can think of that, and I can think of, man, in the 20 years, like, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, I've, I've helped people, I've been leaders here and there, I'm, I'm probably good where I am, you know, I don't know, I've, I've taken 20 steps, do I need to take the 21st step? So yesterday, uh, yesterday I was taking a, a nap, um, because Saturday naps are the greatest thing that ever happened. Actually, Saturday naps are the second greatest thing that ever happened, because Sunday naps are even better. So, just saying. Um, although Sunday naps for me turn into, like, Sunday six-hour naps, so then it's, like, it's just a bad situation. But yesterday, I was just having, like, a nice 20-minute nap, which seems crazy, but so revitalizing. And... Um, and while I was taking this nap, I was kind of thinking about marriage, actually. And I was thinking about how marriage is similar to our relationship with God. And so, you know, I was actually thinking uh, while I was lying in bed there that Haley is pretty lucky to have me as a husband. Like, she has got the whole package deal. Like, I shovel for her. I take care of, you know, some things in the house. I water our fiddly fig tree. Like, you know, I install the TV on the wall. All these things, like... She doesn't even know what she has, right? I, I was thinking this and just like, you know, I'm very humble. And so, so I was lying there thinking about this and a sudden realization came on me that even if Haley was not in the picture, I would have done all those exact same things except for they would have just been for me. So I would have installed the TV on the wall for me. I would have shoveled the snow for me to not get a bylaw ticket from the city of Edmonton. I would have mowed the lawn because I hate long grass. I would have done all those things. And it made me check myself because I was like, man, like pretty much the only thing I do for Haley because I love her is wash the dishes every once in a while. Um, and, and, it, and it made me question, it made me question not my relationship with Haley. I'm just kidding about that. But it made me question sometimes my relationship with God. Sometimes we do things and we say, man, God, like can you believe I did this thing for you? Aren't you happy with me? And I wonder if we would have done that thing whether or not we had a relationship with God. I wonder if maybe we're just looking for the credit after we've done it. See, when we come to a relationship with Christ, God gives us everything that he has. He gives us all that we need and all that we can possibly ever need. There's nothing that we can do to attain anything more from God. But yeah, I think sometimes we treat our, our relationship with him like that, saying, did you see that thing I did? You owe me. So a few weeks ago was Easter. Um, we had an amazing Easter dinner at my uh, brother's house. And my grandma came, uh, came down from Camrose um, for Easter. And so, as with most grandmas, she loves to, like, go around and, and like, talk about, like, during Thanksgiving, she's, like, the grandma who's, like, let's all go around and say something we're thankful for. And all the grandkids are, like, oh, my goodness, grandma, come on. No one wants to do that. Let's just eat. And so at Easter, uh, I don't know even who, I think Grandma came up with it, but we were all going around and just talking about um, what God has done in our lives and, and, and where God has brought us from. And so it got to my grandma's turn. And my grandma's 87 years old right now, and about five years ago, my grandpa passed away. And my grandparents are, are kind of those people that like, you know, they're, they're one of those couples that love each other so much, like... I would come home sometimes when they were babysitting me from school, and they'd be, like, cuddling on the couch. And I'm like, I can barely cuddle with Haley now because I just get way too hot all the time. 
Um, but they just loved each other, you know, like so much. And they did devotions until they were like 80. And they did like this Bible college program when they were 80. I'm just like, what? Who are these people? Like, you can just relax, you know. And, um, and so I, my grandma was talking and she said that when my grandpa passed away, that her life got kind of thrown into turmoil, that she felt like, man, how do I even go forward from this? Like, she, she felt like she'd taken a whole bunch of steps, you know. She'd gone with God out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and, and into, the, into the desert, and, and finally arrived at the promised land. My grandpa was there with her, and, and where was she to go now? And, and she felt like, you know, she could have just stopped where she was. She felt like she'd done a lot, but, and she could have stopped where she was. But rather, she said, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask God what he had for me. And when I heard her say that, it reminded me of the wonder of salvation. It reminded me that if an 82-year-old woman can ask God what the plans that he has for her are at 82 years old, what the vision, what the dreams that she should have, what her future looks like, then me as a 27-year-old should be asking God every single day what, what the vision and the plans that he has for my life and all of us. See, there's always a new promise to walk into. There's always new ground to take. People, I think, get bitter and frustrated with life when they stop pursuing what God calls for their life today and they start looking to what they did yesterday and all the things they accomplished before. And so as we follow God one step at a time, as we move into this, this promised land, it can sometimes feel like, man, like, oh, I don't like what this guy's saying right now because it, it sounds like a lot of work and it sounds like I have to do all this stuff and like I have to not be comfortable. But, but the reality is, is that it's not that we have to do anything. It's that we get to do this. It's that we get to serve people. It's that we get to be a part of people's lives. It's that maybe if someone's serving in children's ministry, they get to be a part of someone's story because maybe their kids were driving them crazy all week and this is the first break they've had and, and they feel that love. They feel that, that from, from a stranger because someone was able and willing to go in the back and, and be part of kids. Or maybe, maybe uh, when the seats got set up this week in the church, you know, it can feel like, oh, I have to set up the seats. Or it could feel like, Man, I get to set up the seats. Someone's going to be sitting here on Sunday morning, and I get to make this feel like a welcoming place for them. And that's not just in the church. It's outside of the church, too. What are we doing that we can say we get to do this for someone? I believe that God has a call and a purpose and a plan for every single, purpose, every single person's life every single day. And we get to do it together. We get to do it with God. That reminds me of the wonder. It reminds me that... God isn't just interested in us just standing still. He's interested in locking arms with us and going to, going to the promised land. So today I have three steps to regain the wonder. The first step is remember what God has done in the past. See, when we remember, when we remember what God has done, it will force us out of our fear and out of our, um, yeah, out of our fear of what could be in the future. God always takes care of us. If we read Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 13, and this is, uh, this is referencing back as well to the Israelites. It's, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that, you, that your own heart are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by the sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That's an amazing promise. So as we remember 
as we remember what God's done, we will begin to regain that wonder. How many of you guys here use Facebook? By show of hands, let's see. Use Facebook. Okay, I'm friends with most of you, the people who didn't put up your hands. I'm going to find you on Facebook and then tell you that you didn't put up your hand because I know you have Facebook. Um, so most of us use Facebook. And one of the things that I'm sure most people see on Facebook when they go on is like when you first log on, sometimes it has that like pop-up and it's like, you've been friends with so-and-so for five years. Congratulations. And I'm like, I was actually friends with them for like 15 years before Facebook was alive, but whatever, Facebook, I'll take it. And then it has like this super corny little slideshow that goes through. And I, I was actually, this is a complete aside, but I was thinking about this the other day because I never like, like no one ever tags me in one of those little videos. And I'm just like, why does no one ever tag me in these? And I was thinking about it. And an anniversary is an anniversary always for two people because it's celebrating your relationship. So if I get it popped up on my timeline, that means the person who it's about, it also popped up on their timeline, and they also didn't share it. So they don't love me, and just, just, that's just an aside for you guys. If no one ever tags you in those, it's because they're ignoring you. So, um, But I had one the other day that popped up, and I didn't share it because I'm a bad guy. And uh, it was my friend Caleb, and, and, and the slideshow that was going through was just this trip that we went on in Europe. And we went on this two-month two month trip, and it was an amazing time. We had an absolute blast. I'm like, man, I got to hang out with Caleb again. Like, we had so much fun. And, like, I want to travel with that guy again. And it reminded me, it reminded me that I enjoyed traveling with him and that, and that it was a good time. And, and when it comes to, to regaining the wonder, if we remember what God has done in the past, we're not going to be scared about what could happen because we know that God's already taken care of us in the past. We know that he's going to take care of us in the future. The Israelites, rather than listening to the word of God, which was go into the promised land, they listened to the word of these 10 spies who brought a bad report. If we remember back to what he's done, we'll be able to go forward with what he's going to do. The second step to regain the wonder is request that God give you new vision and new calling. I think this is so important. This is, this is what my grandma taught me, that even if you're 82 years old, God wants to give you new vision, new calling, new belief in your life. That there is no age that you can be. There's nothing that you can do that can, that can disqualify you from God using you. And he wants to use you. So he asks that we would request that he gives us new vision. Luke 2, or sorry, Luke 11, one of my favorite verses. Uh, verse 9 to 13 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, a big part of this is partnering with the Holy Spirit, is asking God to give us new vision, new direction through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to ask him. He says right there that he's not going to give us a bad gift. He's not going to give us a serpent if we ask for a fish, which I always think is such a hilarious like thing because why would someone think of a serpent with a fish? But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Or a scorpion with an egg. They just don't relate. I would think like a rotten egg instead of an egg, but you know. But God wants to give us good things, and he just wants us to ask for that. So the third step to regain the wonder 
is to simply re-enter the race, taking it one step at a time. See, sometimes when we hear something like this, we're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-enter, and you just want to like sprint as fast as you can. But that's not what God wants. He just wants us to listen and to walk, to listen and to walk, to listen and to walk. As we re-enter the race, taking it one step at a time, we know that God is going to, to partner with us and walk alongside us. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. says that, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So the three steps to regain the wonder are remember what God has done, request that God give you new vision, and re-enter the race, taking it one step at a time. But there's good news also because to me, that sometimes sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like I'm going to be tired. And when the Israelites had to walk into that promised land, they had to defeat the enemy, all these giants, it wasn't easy. There was work involved. But God's promise, and this is my bonus point for today, is that as we take the steps that God asks us to, as a result of taking the steps, God will give us rest. He will bring us into the place of rest. The promised land represented rest to the Israelites. In Hebrews 3, at the end, it says that the Israelites were not able to enter the rest of God because of their unbelief. So today, I believe that we need to, we need to ask God for that wonder. We need to understand that wonder again, that, that face of the person that comes out of the baptism tank. We need to get that in us. And we need to ask God what he has for us today. Not what he had for us yesterday or last week or last year, but what he wants us to do today. Sometimes, sometimes I think about this and I just don't know how. How do I do this? Well, just like the Israelites, we need to listen to what God's saying. We need to listen to the right voices. And then how can I do this? Well, Ask yourself, who are you serving? Where do you see a need? What's your call for today? Is everything you're doing serving yourself, serving your kingdom, or are there things that you're doing that are serving others and serving God's kingdom? I just want to sing this song. So why don't we all just stand this morning? God wants to give us new vision and new purpose for our lives. If you feel like you've maybe stopped at, at step number 25 or step number 26 or step 150 or step one, God wants to give you new vision for today. And he wants to bring you into the promised land that he has for you. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.